Hi, this is Steve. Two and a half weeks ago, we launched our campaign to raise money for the National Children's Cancer Society in honor of Chadwick Boseman. You can donate at thenccs.org slash Black Panther. That's T-H-E-N-C-C-S dot org slash Black Panther. Now, a child with cancer is among the most difficult challenges a family can face. It's not just the medical side, which is challenging enough. It's travel expenses and mental health. Many families face financial ruin, and all of them deal with the emotional consequences of the disease long after the cancer goes into remission. Now, the NCCS is dedicated to supporting those families with travel expenses, caregivers, counseling, and even scholarships. So far, we've raised an incredible $1,150, but we've still got a long way to go if we want to reach that matching grant at $3,000. In fact, our generous donor has agreed to extend their commitment all the way up to $10,000. That means the Cinephiles has an opportunity to raise $20,000 to help kids with cancer and their families. Of course, we are doing much more than just raising money to honor Chadwick Boseman. We are also in the middle of an incredible discussion of his most famous film, Black Panther, with special guests Jay Washington and Winston A. Marshall. We literally just finished recording part two, and I have to tell you, if anything, we go even deeper than we went in part one, if you can believe that such a thing is possible. Unfortunately, since we literally just finished recording and it's now 1.27 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, I don't think it's going to be possible to get this thing edited for our usual Friday release. I'm going to do my best, but it might take an extra couple of days. So in the meantime, you can go to cinephiles.net where you can buy or stream Black Panther along with every other film we've ever reviewed through Amazon Prime. And if you happen to support the show on patreon.com slash the cinephiles, right now you could be listening to John and I discuss Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's a cinephile short on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Patreon, our ongoing fundraiser for the National Children's Cancer Society, which you can donate to at thenccs.org slash Black Panther, all major credit cards and PayPal accepted, and part two of our exploration of Black Panther with special guests Winston A. Marshall and Jay Washington, which will come out just as soon as I can get the thing edited. Hi, this is Steve, jumping in before this episode begins to remind you that this month we are raising money for the National Children's Cancer Society in honor of Chadwick Boseman. You can donate at thenccs.org slash Black Panther. Now, this is an incredible organization that supports families facing the most difficult and challenging times in their lives. So far, we've raised an incredible $1,150, but we've still got a long way to go to reach $3,000 when that matching grant kicks in. In fact, our generous donor has agreed to extend their commitment all the way up to $10,000. That means the Cinephiles has an opportunity to raise $20,000 to help kids with cancer and their families. So please drop what you're doing and go to thenccs.org slash Black Panther to donate right now. Got it? Okay, let's head off to Wakanda for part two of Black Panther with special guests, J. Washington and Winston A. Marshall. Speak. I'm standing in your house, serving justice to a man who stole your vibranium and murdered your people. Justice your king couldn't deliver. (laughs) 
welcome once again to the cinephiles where this week we are continuing our epic exploration of black panther my name is steve morris i'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in los angeles california hey everyone my name is john roca i'm a writer producer and host over there at the outlaw nation and also a vo guy on occasion and a big fan of the black pinta Am I allowed to do that? No, I don't know. It wasn't that good an accent. I don't no, know. Thank you. I, well, that's I'm not really known for my accents. <laughs> yeah, you do some pretty good ones. But we're, we're very, very happy to welcome back to the Files, <laughs> Jay Washington and Winston A. Marshall. Thank you so much for coming back on the mic. Thank you for having me back, man. Thank you for having the both of us back. This was a great discussion. I'm glad. I'm glad we get to finish it up and complete it. I, you know, th- these are all thoughts I've had about Black Panther. I've never gotten a chance to just speak them out loud and and to just kind of discuss. And it's it, it was really refreshing, man, for sure. Well, there's just so much here, and I think the, that's what's so cool about this movie is the more we talk about it, the more I feel like I learn, and the more we find it's just it's just been a really great discussion. Yeah. Um, and I think we should just jump in right where we left off, which is that we captured Claw in Korea. So I think this is all going to work out really, really well. We've got him. <laughs> he's tied up. He's uh, he's in like an interrogation room. His arm has been removed. Um, movie over. Yeah, we're we're good. And he's making you know kissing faces and saying, "What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me." Don't hurt me no more. That's got to come from Andy Serkis. I of course. Just, it was like we were saying in the previous episode. You saw, this showed you how much fun he was finally having in the MCU. Yeah. Like, he didn't get to have any real fun in Age of Ultron. Right. But here, he had fun with the role. Which is actually a bummer because we're going to kill him off. And it's like, oh, just when he became this really cool villain, we're going to get rid of him. Uh, We go out and we're on the other side of that one-way mirror and we've got uh, Agent Ross and we've got T'Challa. And Ross is like, what are we going to do? Play some good cop, bad cop? (laughs) But I love Okoye was like, she started talking in show show. I was like, look, we, we don't need to let him do this. And then he's like, no, 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 let's let him do it. And T'Challa... I love how sneakily he put the bug on Ross that well, you didn't well, notice it at first till he showed it. It's so great. But before, th- I think it's set up so perfectly with when Ross taps T'Challa on the shoulder, <laughs> like oh, oh. it's in a buddy move and Goye's reaction. She's going to murder him. She was about to murder him. Oh, yeah. She says, if he touches you again, I'm going to impale him on this desk. <laughs> and, and I don't think Okoye is speaking with hyperbole here. Oh, no. No, 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 no. She don't know. She really was going to impale him. Yes. (laughs) But, I mean, that's a a powerful moment, isn't it? If if you've watched films for a long time in this world and in this country, like the idea – remember, it was such a huge deal when Sidney Poitier, we mentioned in the last episode, Mm. slapped the guy who – you know, the old white guy in his own garden house. Uh, And here, here is a – powerful black woman uh, you know of the country from wakanda saying i will kill this white man for touching you like it's just how far we've come where that's like funny a funny moment an acceptable funny moment and that shows you like that this film is powerful even in the subtle moments it has power within it yeah it's not even my favorite moment of this in the film there's two two other ones that are even funnier to me We'll get to, yeah. and one is going to also come from a black woman. And, and every time I hear it, like the first time I heard it, I choked on popcorn. It was, 
I genuinely had a kernel stuck in the back of my throat the rest of the movie. I was very upset. Colonizer. Colonizer. Well, and the, 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 spoiler alert, God damn it. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing that occurred to me watching it this last time was, was what is T'Challa wearing? Is he's wearing a hoodie. Right. And it's like, so first of all, you're taking the king and you're dressing him down in the most casual thing possible. But then I got to say, man, the, the hoodie, seeing a man with dark skin and a hoodie and the way a white guy treats that person, yeah. that seems loaded to me. Uh, again, it's Ryan Coogler. Everything in that movie at some little point, no matter how small or insignificant you thought it might have been, had significance. Yeah, like that is a choice. But they decide that we're going to send Ross in to talk to Claw on his own. Well, of course, they're listening on this listening device. And uh, both Ross and Claw, by the way, wearing blue because that is the color of the colonizers. Oh, nice. And he's asking, "Where's where'd you get this arm cannon? Where's your supplier? He's right outside. Why don't you ask him yourself? What, T'Challa? You're telling me that weapon on your arm is from Wakanda? Because it is impossible to believe that this African country isn't anything other than what we expect that it was. Once again, this idea of, oh, we think we know what's happening here. We, we've got the, the evidence, blah, blah, blah. But there's more going on here. Yeah. Which is, which is probably my favorite line at the end of the movie. Because it's everything that Ross is dealing with from this point forward of figuring out what Wakanda really is. That that one, I, I believe it's Germany, but whatever country decides to speak at the UN and be like, what could a country of bombers have to give to the world? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it's, it's, you know, part of you might wonder why, why is Ross in this movie? Like you could have this whole movie and he wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so important is that he represents... Like, I don't think Ross is a racist. Ross just has a set of expectations about what an African country is. And so even though he's standing next to a dude who he knows has superpowers and he knows he's a king, he still treats him with this disrespect. And because he cannot believe that this man has the value. But he doesn't actually know what Wakanda itself is. That's one thing that is true. Mm -hmm. So Ross is actually from the comics. But Ross, in, in, in the movie... Do you think about it? Ross knows about the suit. Yes. He knows about vibranium as far as it is in cap shield. Cause that's known, you know, known knowledge throughout the government. He knows that possibly the suit is made out of it. He doesn't know what Wakanda is until, until he gets Claw it, yeah. tells him. Right. He has no clue. Cause again, when he says, you know, third world country textiles, you know, minerals, exports, stuff like that, that's literally what he thinks and what, what Wakanda has put the message out that they are. So he only goes off what Wakanda has been telling the world for the longest. I I think that's 100% true, but he also knows that this dude has superpowers and has a crazy suit and all, like, so even there's evidence happening that he is ignoring. True, true, but again, look at the world we live in now. 100%. Because when you're talking about the MCU world by this time, literally a dude has come from the sky and because of a dude from the sky, we've now had aliens approaching <laughs> New York. <laughs> right. You see what I'm saying? Now because of these things. So to say that he made a superpower suit, again, the world's billionaire, the world's foremost weapons and arms dealers made a suit. Well, like, and Civil War's over, which means the Soviet Accords have happened and all of those that mm. fighting. So, like, that's yes. all widespread as well. Um like, and this is, you know, the Winter Soldier has been, you know, assassinating people in public now that we've, we've been seeing that and, and everything else. So, yeah, no, we've, we've been, 
we've been here. But I, but I, but I do think that that is the thing that is the most interesting is you are having supposedly one of the poorest countries in the world inventing this suit. That's the thing that maybe catches people off guard. Little do they know it is the richest country in the world. Right. Not even close. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I love too, by the way, that Claw says, oh, they were looking for El Dorado and they thought it was in South America. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's a nice little detail. Right. That was a beautiful tribute to get, you know, because in all legends, the city of gold, El Dorado, it's in the it's in the Incan mountains and the old Mayan temples and stuff like that. Now, no, no, it's in the middle of Africa. <laughs> Your father told the UN that Claw stole all the vibranium you had, but now he's telling me you have more? And you believe the word of an arms dealer strapped to a chap? Because again, he's not even privy to the fact that T'Challa and Okoye have listened to this entire conversation. You get what I'm saying? So he's just like, oh, you have more. He didn't say, oh, Klaus said y'all got a mountain of this shit. Like he did, you know, because you're you're saying like you just lost a lot. And again, I don't even think T'Chaka told them exactly how much they lost. Um, and of course, while this whole thing is going on, we're see like something going on in some van. And here comes Eric Killmonger. Uh-huh. And he, here's this weird thing that movies do that I, I just find so interesting. We love him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in the scene where we establish him in the British Museum or whatever, we're with him. And now this collision is coming between these two characters that we actually like both of them in their way. And man, he puts on the mask. He blows up that wall. And this happens, I think, really, really fast, this sequence. Yeah. And it, it rolls the way it does. It doesn't, it doesn't happen so fast where it feels like you're missing anything. Mm-hmm. T'Challa Panther suits up. Eric hits him with a grenade launcher. And right before they drive away, what does T'Challa see? He sees that ring. The ring, yeah. From the- so here's something that, real quick, Winston, you might have caught this, and I don't know if anybody else did. Killmonger's suit is inspired by a popular anime. Yeah, it's based off of Vegeta. Yep, it's what, a Vegeta wait, what's it from? Uh, Vegeta from Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z. Um, it's the idea behind it, other than Ryan being a big anime fan. Vegeta ends up being exactly that, a, a main antagonist for a large part of the beginning of the show. Mm. Uh, ultimately, once spared by the protagonist, Goku, becomes uh, an ally and almost an anti-hero. Like, he becomes, like, part of the good guy team, but he's always, like, about to fly off the handle, calling Goku too soft, all sorts of whatnot. And it, 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 when you know that about the outfit, if you caught it right away, it even gives you the vibe of, like, oh, are they going to, like, become friends and work together? Or, like, how is this going to play out? Uh, because they are essentially... Goku and Vegeta for more or less, not really, we don't know their bloodlines, but they're more or less cousins. They're the last two of their kind. Mm-hmm. So this is, it kind of rings true of this too. I, I thought it was a really nice nod uh, to that and and something that Ryan loves outside of this this film. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Can you do it in English, please? I don't know. Ah! <laughs> Anti-hero. There you go, John. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> One thing that I think is inconsistent, and it's like, you know, this is what happens when you make a movie sometimes. It's, you know, you don't, not, you can't do everything perfectly. And one thing, we just watched T'Challa chase down Claw in a ridiculously huge car chase where he would not quit. And right now he just lets Killmonger and Claw go. You know, right. Like he just watches them drive away. And that's it doesn't quite make sense. But this is what 
the movie has to do at this moment. Well, I also think that's why you have the ring moment that kind yeah. of explains it. Yeah. The fact that he's like stopped for a second because, you know, this is the first beginning of the cracks in this uh, worldview he's had about his life and the construct of his world of his of his uh, existence is starting to kind of shake a little bit. Uh, by seeing that ring. And now he starts to ask questions, which is why it stops him, I think. You can get away totally. with that, I think. Yeah. Totally. I think that's what's happening. And now one more problem is that Ross took a bullet to the spine to save Nakia. And so the question is, what are we going to do? Do we leave him here to die? And the answer is no. And if you ask Okoye, the answer was yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. If you ask Okoye, the answer was yes. Leave him here. So now we are just supposed to let him die. Let us consider that we heal him. It is his duty to report back to his country. And as king, it is your duty to protect our... I am well aware of my duties, General. I am well aware of my duties, General. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I think this is the true turning point of the movie. The choice Mm -hmm. to save Ross after seeing that ring. I think T'Challa is changing what he's thinking. I also think you got to thank the heart-shaped herb for a moment. Here's mm. why. The average person would not have saw that ring. Mm. Oh, good point, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Think about it. The, the average person would, you just saw something dangling. You wouldn't have known exactly what it was. Right, right. But because yeah. the heart-shaped herb enhances your senses, mm. he was able to know exactly which ring that was. And we're back in Wakanda and we're in Shuri's lab and she pulls up a little hologram of the spine. It's not going to be a trouble to heal him. And then who comes in but Wakabi? No, you forget the biggest part before that. Because mm. this, this is probably one of the funniest lines in the movie. Great, another broken white boy for us to fix. Well, exactly. Which is what a reference, of course, to Sebastian Stan to, to yes. Winter Soldier. Yeah. Winter Soldier, yeah. What's going on, brother? Huh? Where is Glow? He slipped through our hands. The efficiency of the screenplay is really impressive because we've only had a few lines with Wakabi, but we understand what is going through his brain. He's a friend of T'Challa's, and yet at this moment he says, For 30 years your father was in power and did nothing. With you I thought it would be different, but it's more of the same. And also remember Wakabi was like, yo, take me with you. We would have caught him. So again, that's probably going, I mean, granted, you know, we see how everything plays out, but if you're looking at the character Wakabi, you're looking at motivation at that point. And again, all, most of us here as actors, we understand, and you, Steve, as a director, you're like, what's the motivation? I could have went with you. Mm-hmm. I could have went with you on this mission. Yeah. But I've, the funny thing is, though, Wakabi obviously can't see the force from the trees. He's he's completely consumed by rage. So well, of, like, course, of course, Absolutely. Uh, if he like clearly T'Challa made the right choice because if Wakabi had gone, you know damn well he probably would have killed somebody in Korea that he mm. wasn't supposed to to get to Claw just so he can get his revenge. Like this yeah. would have been horrible. On top of the fact that I wouldn't be surprised if Wakanda Wakanda's like stealth and like the fact that they are not on the map yet would also have gotten blown out mm-hmm. because of Wakabi just being so obsessed with revenge. So, like, T'Challa made the right choice. It's just that he, it seems like he reneged on his promise, even though that's not really what happened. Well, and that's T'Challa being the king. Right. But also, um, Wagami's not presented to us as fully fleshed out as we would like. It's one of the things that I take a little bit of 
umbrage with because we know he's got a connection. We know he's uh, he's got you know he's uh, he's got the relationship with uh, uh, with Denai Guerrero in the movie. But like the, his whole whole impetus is revenge for my father, right? But we don't really get to feel how important his father was to him. What was the relationship? What you know? What was the memories? Blah blah blah. So when he makes the turn later on, it's almost a little bit like they used it as a device to reinforce uh, Killmonger having some some kind of backup for his claims for the kingdom. And I wish they would have been a little bit more because that's Daniel Kaluuya, man. You don't want to waste an actor like that uh, by not giving him more material. I don't disagree with you when you consider how I know you can't have like 50 protagonist in right, it. right right but like when you consider to the lengths that t'challa went to to go and try to avenge his father from zemo mm-hmm. in civil war right consider the lengths that killmonger is essentially going for the same thing he i i, I know that the claims are i'm doing this for black people around the world especially mm-hmm. in america and i don't i don't say that it's not but if we're honest majority of this is revenge for the death of his father right like that's that's really he's he hates Wakanda sure for abandoning everybody but on a mm-hmm. personal level it's clearly because they abandoned him right and so you could have done something it would have been nice to have seen a little something um, from Wakabi uh, but I think that that's that moment where you're like we can't show everybody's everything right, like, right. it sucks but I, I would have liked to have seen that too. one small thing and I think it's just a great. Uh, directorial choice and really great performance choices. We have this character whose main motivation is revenge and yeah. anger, and he is the softest spoken character in the whole film. We are at like an airplane graveyard, which again, it's picking a good set. It's a very cool set. And what we think is going to happen is that our bad guys are just going to fly off together. But that is not what's going to happen. You always sell to the CIA? I sell to the highest bidder. Don't you worry, when I get back to Joburg, on our way back, just drop us off in Wakanda. Hey, I was like, hey man, you don't want to go there? <laughs> you, you that's not a good place to go. And then what What does Claude do? Is he grabs the girl. Well, that's how the, that's how the Killmonger shoots the other dude. You know what? Shout out to the other dude who was the extra, mm. who was, got bumped up to a feature extra. Because, you know, he was just in a scene that day. They was like, look, we're going to put you here. You're going to get some good camera time. You ain't going to say nothing, but you're going to die. Like, you get to use this possible for your reel. And he was like, okay. And so they bring him in. <laughs> you know, they have the whole scene. He gets, you know, opens up the van, gets ready to get out and everything, and just he's the first one shot. And that's it. And that's what makes Claw grab his girlfriend. Yep. And this moment, I got to say, this is the one, the biggest moment that I disagree with in the film. This is the moment that I do not like. Okay. Uh, grabs the girl. Put your gun down now. I'm sorry. Sorry, Eric. It's going to be okay. And then he shoots the girl. But we've seen that a lot, though, when you think about it. In many situations, you see where you it looks like the Bonnie and Clyde routine. And Clyde actually is an, a bigger asshole than you expect. Wait, what's, you your, what's your issue with it, Steve, that he shoots so, a woman? No, no, it has nothing okay. to do. No, it has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with how you're setting up this character. Is that to me, what yeah. makes the character of Eric Killmonger great is that he actually has a moral code. Oh, that he I is see. trying to do the oh. what what he believes is oh. he's, yeah, he's following his. He's a killer. He kills anybody. Yeah, I disagree, especially when you talk about how once they get into him in Wakanda, they're like, no, this is what we've trained him to do. We've trained him to right. be. Assassin, he's destabilized his countries, 
He does whatever it takes to get his mission done. So I actually yeah, he's that he's that guy. I, what, I what, get what you're saying. Because yeah. Rex, you're saying you get a moral, we got a moral compass of why he's doing it. But you got to remember Thanos had a moral compass. Yeah, true. Right. And, it, and it, it, it's it's complete the mission. He sacrificed his own daughters. Like for me with Killmonger, what this sets up and then gets solidified even more so when he decides to burn the heart-shaped herb once he becomes king. Yeah. And the aunt was yep. like, what about tradition? Like we got other kings after you and he picks her, chokes her up and he goes, when I say something, you do that shit and you don't ever disrespect me. Again. Like I was like, oh, this is one of those hoteps. I don't know if either of you know what a hotep is that is out here preaching. We were kings and we're all, and my sister, you with me. But the minute the sister says something to challenge it, immediately flips to what they are, a misogynist, and that they only give a shit about themselves. And that's, to me, how we attach Killmonger to actually being a bad guy and not just being this revolutionary. Because otherwise, we're a thousand percent in this camp. We go, nah, yeah, we should help the world. But the minute he starts, like, abusing women... And then we're like, oh, no, you're really a piece of shit. Like, you're not a good See, dude. But, I, but this is where I disagree, is that I don't think, I think the movie works best when he's not a piece of shit. What? And in fact, I think the Thanos, uh, the Thanos example is a really good one. Because how does Thanos feel about killing his daughter? It is the most horrible thing he could do. Like, he, his love for that character is what makes it um, a dramatic scene. He has to destroy that which he loves. Like... That, that he isn't just going, I don't care about you, and kills her, is that, it, and you think about, again, like Magneto, which I think mm -hmm. is the best uh, corollary to Killmonger, is that, imagine what this movie would be if he did everything in his power to save this girl. Well, then, we're because where the movie works the best, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is when we are most conflicted about the character of Eric Killmonger. That's where the movie works the best. When he is most villainous, I think it works less well. If we look at it in hindsight, let's say he doesn't kill her, right? Let's say he takes her to Wakanda. She's not going to live throughout it no matter what. Let's just be real. Sure. And She's I don't even think you take surviving. her to Wakanda. Yeah. She's not surviving. And so I'm not... It, 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 it's easy to say, how are we getting rid of this character? Because she had to... That character in herself, when it boils down to she had to go. You have to look at it like that. That character has to go. And the only person that it makes sense to have remove her is Killmonger. And she says it's okay. Like she says that. She goes, I'm and sorry. That's the thing, she, right when, there, that's her, when she apologizes, her. she let her guard down because she wanted to go on this mission with him and be with him. He kills her, which lets you know how singularly focused he is on this mission. And he, how true. this mission, what he has to accomplish is bigger than her, bigger than him. Right. She probably doesn't even understand what the full thing is. Right. Like, and I think they only understand right afterwards. That tells Right. Because they, they don't understand. Who you... it's, just, it's just about going to Wakanda and getting all that money to yeah. them. That's what they think. Yeah. They don't know that his idea, Killmonger, is to take over Wakanda. Right. And I, 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 I guess I, I get what you're saying, Steve. Yeah, totally. About that, that emotional draw. I think for me, what resonates, and this is something that that you know jay and i can kind of speak to within our community is that there is this horrible thing that does tend to happen amongst black people hoteps are typically the best example of this that you claim to be pro-black everything but then you're misogynistic as hell mm -hmm. or you're homophobic as hell right. yeah, or you're yeah. all the, this is this is showing that this is this idea that you do look at him and go yes this pro-black talk that you have 
is so, so positive. Yes, I'm with you. And then I turn around and watch you hit your girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? It's that it becomes that internal conflict. And I think that that is why he resonates even more as a bad guy for me, where again, I'm like, I am rooting for him. But then I see that it triggers something that I see in real life because there are black people that do that. They are very pro-black, but they are very problematic. And that's, yeah. that to me, why this, that's why this works for me personally. But I totally understand where you're coming from on, on like the emotional filmmaking side of things. Also quickly, I think Ryan probably suspected what you were feeling, Steve, which is why he has him kill uh, claw immediately afterwards. It's this idea of like, if you're conflicted in this moment that he shot, think of my God, you're shocked that he sh- shot the girl that he's had that passionate, you know, make out kiss with in the ambulance. Uh, Right afterwards, he kills one of the big villains in Black Panther. One of the big, like, shocks everybody who was, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys were shocked that they actually killed Claw off. Because Claw's never, Claw's been around forever. So to kill him off like that in that way was a strong decision. So you don't even have time to grab the ramifications of him killing uh, his girlfriend, in essence, in that moment. Because seconds later, he's killing one of the biggest villains in the Black Panther universe. So. I think this is what, to me, this is what makes filmmaking so interesting. Is that is that everything that you have all four, all three of you have described uh, is totally correct. And that and that part of what makes this sequence so dramatic is how fast it happens. And mm. that's the choice that Coogler made. Is that the girl gets grabbed, he kills the girl, and then immediately kills Claw. And we're like, oh my god, this is shocking and different. And and this character is very compelling. I think all that works. And but it's also where, although. I, I mean, uh, my admiration for Ryan Coogler as a director, I think I've said a lot. This yeah. is where Steve Morris, the filmmaker, would have done it differently. That's and, even, and even if the point is to show his dedication to his cause or to show, which I never knew that term before, the hotep, you know, like even if that's what that is, then I would have I would have focused more on it. You know what don't I mean? You, don't you run the risk of having dueling protagonists in that moment? Because he's supposed ma- to be the villain. But that's what makes this movie work. But this is a conflicting moment for you, isn't it? You just said the conflicting moments are what make you like the character of Killmonger. Here he is doing something that could conflict and, you. As and a I agree because, yeah, you don't want to have that emotion, uh, emotional connection where you feel it's, for lack of better words, the way I felt about when people saw Joker. I was like, mm. when they said the story of what Joker was going to be, I was like, I should not feel sorry mm. for the guy who's going to become the clown prince of crime. I shouldn't, no matter what, right? I shouldn't feel an emotional connection. Granted, his message, Killmonger's message, resonates with a lot of black people because we're like, yeah, you got a point, but dog, the way you going about it. Again, it's that Hotep philosophy. Winston says he's all about a certain thing, but again, these Hotep dudes especially, they don't believe in we're kings and queens. They believe we're kings and queens. Which is funny because they'd be preaching to black women like, you are a queen, sister. Yes, they do. Right. Yes, stuff they like do. this, that's stuff. and that's exactly what I said. Like that, just to well, respect yourself. And then the minute they're like, maybe you're right. It's like, now get in there and wash my clothes. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. I obviously never heard this term before, but there is a there is a person in my life, a white dude, who is exactly what you just described. <laughs> Everything he says is liberal <laughs> and all this stuff, and then it's just oh, tell. Yeah. Not a hotel, but a hotel. A hotel. I love it. A woke tap. I love it. A woke tap. Yeah. And we're back in the city of the dead. It's Zuri. It's T'Challa. What happened to my uncle, Jobo? My father told me he disappeared. Not just I saw a ring at first. The first question is, what really happened to my uncle and Jobo? 
Ryan Coogler says that this is the most important scene of the film. There was a man today wearing a ring identical to this one. That is not possible. Do not tell me what is possible. Tell me the truth. Not only that, but uh, Francis Ford Coppola is one of Coogler's great inspirations. That was he said. And he showed this to Coppola. Wow. And Coppola says this is the most important scene in the film and that this is the original sin of Wakanda. Some truths are too much to bear, Dichala. That is not your choice to make. That means the truth. And then Zori says, I promise the king to say nothing. I promise the king to say nothing. I am your king now. I am your king. <laughs> it's the only moment that T'Challa raises his voice in the whole movie. That's the second time. Or it's the first time. He does it again to his father. You are all wrong. Yeah. That whole, that whole, he cusses <laughs> his really dad good. and his granddaddy <laughs> and all his granddaddies out. That, that, but but it's but I guess the one time in like real life since that's in the astral plane, and then he tells the story about mm. what we see after the opening scene in the movie, mm. which further solidifies the movie is Eric's arc as opposed mm. to T'Challa's mm-hmm. arc. Your uncle fell in love with an American woman. They had a child. The hardships he saw there radicalized. Your uncle. And that word radicalized, I think, is important. And it's one we're still oh, yeah. hearing today of to oh, be yeah. radicalized. And then we hear uh, Prince Njobu say the philosophy that we're going to hear later from Killmonger. He says, the leaders have been assassinated. Communities flooded with drugs and weapons. They are overly policed and incarcerated. Now, first of all, that is not a crazy statement out of a superhero movie. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that is just the truth of what has happened in these communities. And then he says, All over the planet, our people suffer because they don't have the tools to fight back. With vibranium weapons, they could overthrow every country and Wakanda could rule them all the right way. Again, it's not too much to overstate that that meant a lot in 1992 in Oakland. Mm. Yeah. Let's more so go that part, not just in a superhero movie, but 1992 in Oakland, California. Yep. You Because again, Oakland isn't in itself a set piece in this movie. Right, right. It's not to be dismissed. This is an important part too. Again, like we say, Ryan, because of his relationship with Oakland, because of who he is, because of talking about the Oakland riots, the things that happened, the Oscar Grant situation, there is so much here in just that moment. And again, like you said, Steve, this is exactly what we will hear Eric tell T'Challa later. And and T'Challa, back in our time, is having trouble dealing with this. He's saying no, no. And then we get to this moment where Prince Njobu draws his gun on James, on Zuri, and this happens really fast, but I want to talk about how, how it happens. T'Chaka knocks the weapon away and immediately drives his claws into his brother, killing him. Yeah. I don't think there is any way that he had to kill his brother in this moment. I, I agree. I was going to say, I agree. I don't know about you, Winston or John. Out of all the things to do, your instinctual thought is to put panther claws in your brother's chest. My my take on this is once Njobu decides that he's going to 
fire upon his brother. He's already at this point committed the murder of multiple Wakandans. I think that in T'Chaka's mind, when you consider that he is a very conservative king, he's immediately just assumed you've gone too far. You're 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 not to be you're not you pulled a gun on your own brother. You're not to be. Well, seen. he pulled the gun on James. He wasn't well, aiming it at his brother. Yeah, I forgot. That's a good point. Uh, if he'd aimed it at, if he'd aimed it at T'Chaka, I could have completely understood. I'd have had no problem with the actions yeah. that T'Chaka takes then, then it, at it, the moment. Then it then then you're right because I'm I'm mis misremembering things and I know that's not a word. Um, then I guess the, the the only rational explanation and even then I agree with you that I I have a little bit more trouble with this, but I think it is like a you've exposed Wakanda. I guess that just further drives T'Chaka's character at home. Is that his his above all everything else is Wakanda should be hidden and should be safe, and you exposed us. So it sounds like he was already going to sentence him to death regardless. Right. He that's, just stopped the trial. That's my point, which is why I have no problem with it. I I think it's to T'Chaka. He is not the king who also gives leeway to his family just because they're blood. He is the king. Uh, the country uh, matters more. It's my opinion. It's my opinion. You had your opinion, Jay. My opinion no, is. No, no, he had, no, no, he, no, I no, think there's nothing country... wrong with your opinion. Okay. No, there's nothing wrong with your opinion, but we got to remember one thing he told uh, T'Chaka told in Joku. Yeah. You will return to Wakanda to face the council. That's what I'm saying. Right. So in that moment, he was. But as soon as he pulls the gun, the council okay. option is fair. off the table. Okay. And that's fair, what I think. Fair. As soon as he pulls you. the gun. Oh, yeah. Because if Njobu if Njobu had gone on his knees and been like, okay, King, I understand. I will head back immediately, but him pulling the gun to kill yet an- possibly kill yet another Wakandan, as Winston just pointed out, already the blood of so many Wakandans are on his hands because Absolutely. he betrayed. Okay, yeah, got a point. He betrayed his brother. Well, so fair. in essence, he figured till he stuck the claws in the heart of Wakanda and in the heart of his brother by doing that by helping Ulysses Claw. And so, uh, in that moment, his passion, T'Chaka's passion. And love for his country, but also his feelings of betrayal, his emotional feelings of betrayal, take over, and he stabs, uh, or he uh, hit, puts the claws into the heart of Injobu. I don't think that's a wrong thing. A king so you're saying, you're must saying, make the toughest decisions. Yeah. So you're saying that was like his plea deal. It was like you can, yeah, death, or you can, you can just right. get the needle right now. You make a decision. Right. But, but overall, though, this is the point of this, the film here with this father-son story is that all of us, when we grow up, can what do we say? This can you? I don't know. Create these legends about our fathers. But in real life, our fathers are just human beings as susceptible to mistakes as we are. And so it's about destroying this idea of mythology and, and uh, you know, uh, ennobling people when, in fact, being, being king or being someone great, there are flaws and decisions you have to make in certain moments that are not the best decisions or maybe they're decisions you're ashamed of, but they're all part of the entire piece and that comes back later when he goes into the astral plane to confront his father. But remember, his father already told him when he became king, it is hard for a good man to be king. And this is one of the reasons. I, I have a couple couple of thoughts on this. The, the first thought is, this is my questioning this moment is not me questioning the movie. I think this is I think this right. Is right, right, right. Be thinking about T'Chaka. And 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 I have two thoughts about it. The first thought is one motivation is that. Uh, his brother just articulated a really dangerous plan. And his original plan was to face the council. And that one motivation is 
I don't really want this guy to be spreading this plan. This is da- these are dangerous ideas. That's one motivation. The one I actually really think it is is I think he's hurt. I think he is filled with rage yeah. at the betrayal of his brother, and in this moment, he acts emotionally, not rationally, as a king should. Right. You know, and I think it's really important that what did we just see a couple of minutes ago with T'Challa is him literally making the choice not to kill Claw in exactly the same way because T'Challa is not his father. Wait, what? He's literally has pulled him out of T'Challa the car. T'Challa doesn't Korea. kill him because the cameras are on him and because Shuri and them tell him it would be bad publicity well, that's not to kill Claw. That's the reason. Dead ass to murder Claw in the middle of the street with no right. problem. I think that, that, well, we don't get to, we don't back. get to know. I, I think your point, Steve, no, makes no. is more powerful when you juxtapose it later when he's trying to convince Killmonger, and it's only begrudgingly at the end of the movie that he kills Killmonger, but he takes Killmonger up to see the sunset. Right, or the, right. That's his gift back to the to the lineage of the Jobu line. And I think that's where he's different than his father. Well, and now we get to the moment which, like, as much as we could discuss this moment of why did brother kill brother, mm. the next moment of leaving this kid. I'm a child. Lefty. That is purely horrible. You got to give Forrest Whitaker props for the way he delivers that line. Yeah. Because it's such a throwaway line with so nonchalant, like, yo, just left him there. And I, I, it makes me wonder, I, because now I'm curious where this, where this is coming from. He, you know, do you leave the kid because he's half not Wakandan? Do you leave the kid because you don't know if he's already tainted by his father? Do you leave the kid because you're just pissed off at your brother still? Is it all of the above? Right. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? The kid's not full Wakandan. Yeah, and, and, I, and I get that. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Think about Loki. Think about how, how Odin made that decision where he's out here and he's effing up the Frost yeah. Giants and then he takes yeah. Loki back and tries to raise him as a son. So it's like it's it's kind of what's interesting if you mm-hmm. want to use it as a as a comparison in the MCU. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You adopt the kid. Well, you murdered my father, so you're a piece of shit. You leave the kid. Mm-hmm. You murdered my father, and you left me to die. So you're also a piece of shit. <laughs> like it's not. But it's also it's, symbolic of his worldview, isn't it? I'm not going to protect an, a black American over a Wakandan American and because he's not, I mean, sorry, Wakandan. And so, so he's not full Wakandan. It's, it's symbolic of him leaving America behind, leaving this child behind, even though it's a terrible decision. So, someone could write a really good psychological analysis of Marvel superheroes and daddy issues. Seriously. <laughs> For sure. Bruh. For sure. Bruh. It's, it's peppered the- throughout. <laughs> it's damn near in ev- damn near every, yeah. every single except everyone. Captain America. Except uh, Captain Marvel. Captain, and Captain America. Captain America, he does in a sense who his daddy is, Erskine, the doctor that made him. Right. Well, and his daddy is America. If that's also true. America. He's, also he's got daddy issues oh, with America. Shit, Steve. When, oh, when is soldier? Because remember, he's like, I'll do anything for my daddy to America. I'll put a, a chemical in my <laughs> body. True. I'll go to war. I do the anything. The only one that doesn't have daddy issues is Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's the right. only movie out of all the MCU movies she that does not have daddy almost issues. does. Yeah, with the Jude Supreme, Law. The, with the Jude Law and the Supreme Intelligence. Right. Yeah, which kind of has a little bit of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Every is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Infinity Saga is more so predicated not on the Infinity Gems, but daddy Doctor issues. Strange? Yeah. Doctor Strange? I think we all have daddy issues. Come on. Doctor Strange might be the only one. Yeah, he's the only one. Yeah, you're right. Well, uh, it depends on how you look at his relationship with the ancient one. Well, it's because he's a sugar daddy, that's why. Well, oh, with the ancient one. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you, I guess you could say the ancient one because then that yeah. you know they they obviously recast Tilda, so it's you can call yeah. it like a uh Ant Man, no, nope. yeah. daddy with a daughter who has issues with him as Hope a daddy. Hank. Okay, Hope and Hank. Oh, Hank, yeah, maybe, but the fair, but I just didn't think that he had daddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess he does, he's a daddy and can't be a good daddy. Dude. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. His daddy issues are with his daughter. Yeah. Um, uh. I want to go back to uh, the original question that Ryan Coogler started this project with. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> which is, which is how would I feel if I found out that Wakanda exists? Right. And I think this moment of the kid being left is what's fueling that idea is that, and, and I was thinking about like, well, if there was a Wakanda, that means when the African diaspora happens, when, you know, when people are robbed from their homes and taken away, they did nothing. And that this, this kid has been separated from his family. T'Challa gets his strength from his family. This kid has been separated Mm. and metaphorically there are all these people spread throughout the world who have been separated from the heart of Africa, from their home. We had to maintain the light. A plane lands in in Wakanda, and Eric Killmonger drags the body of Claw out. And who does he see first? But Wakabi. Wakabi. Well, you got to remember, he unzips. He he says, "What is you know?" He's like, "What is this?" And Killmonger's like, "Whoa, I'm good." He unzips the bag and shows him Claw. And, and, and Wakabi asks, "Who are you?" Which is a question that gets asked a lot. Yeah, that question, like you said, Steve, it does get asked a lot, but it means a lot in the culture of Wakanda. Because when you're asked, who are you? You're identifying yourself as a Wakandan. Mm. What I thought was interesting, and I'm curious uh, y'all's thoughts on it. So we're told that what Killmonger does more than anything, what Erica's trained to do is learn everything about a society, everything about a country, and then go and completely destabilize it. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to get that from Ross later. Yeah. Um, like, literally in the next scene, actually. Yeah. Do you think that he knew that Wakabi was the border, was the captain of the border guard and that he would run into him and that he's the one that wanted Claw? Yes. Or do you, that is, it was, or do you think that's a good ass question? No, that's a great question. And, and I think Steve's right. Yeah, he absolutely knew. He's a smart man. He knows but, how but to destabilize the, but the reason why, The reason why I ask, though, is because... Makes sense. The reason why I ask is, like, do you think he got out of Claw? Like, how would he know? Remember, Wakanda's hidden. That's what I was about to say. How would he Wakanda's know? hidden. So my only thought would maybe he got it out of Claw. So like, he, yeah. remember, they were getting ready to go. Hold on, Jay, because this, this is where my thought's going. They were getting ready to go and deal with Wakanda stuff anyway because they were going to steal whatever vibranium, except once he was like, drop me off. He's like, well, we're not going back there. Like, let's not. So I'm sure he pumped Claw with questions about Wakanda, including maybe like Claw must have known some stuff to be able to know who's in what places. Like they broke in, stole some vibranium and, and got out. So... I, I asked that because that would be such an even further interesting twist in the depth of this character and that if yeah. he did his research and goes, I need to make sure when I show up, I run into this Wakabi dude because I can make an instant ally. See, I, oh, I think he got it from dad is that he sees dad's diary 
And it says, and what is what is Prince Njobu's greatest regret, probably, is the death of the people in the border tribe that he's responsible for. Mm. And so I think him getting that information from his father is what happened. But again, and I agree, but I don't think he would know of Wakabi specifically because Wakabi, T'Challa, and Killmonger are all roughly the same yeah. age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Claw initially takes Vibranium and kills the border tribe, T'Challa is still a child. Right. Yeah. Killmonger's a child. All of them are kids. But that's you but that's I'm, but that's why I think if this if, so because I, I get where you're but going. That's what I'm saying. Claw wouldn't know what Kabi is the head of the border tribe at that time. I mean, that's, that's we're looking back in the '90s. He wouldn't know he what Kabi's the head of the. No, no, that's understandable, but I think that it's one of the things that, and that's probably what Steve just said, though. He, clearly the border tribe was the tribe that got murked in the raid. Yeah. So he, he knew probably he knew if he brought Claw's body to the border tribe, who are going okay, to be guarding the, the border. More so. if it, which they're going to be guarding the border regardless. No, 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 I'm just saying, brought it to the tribe more so Wakabi, right? Right, right. So that, it's just that Wakabi was there. Yeah. So he may have had gotcha. the plan to kill uh, Claw the whole time. Oh, I think he did. Yeah, I yeah. totally so think he did. The whole time. So him shooting him is no surprise not to him. It's a surprise to us and to Claw. Because the I think both as a as a gambit to get in the door yeah. in the first place, but right. I think also if we're being honest, he's made it very clear he does not fuck with colonizers. Right. He hates Claw. So he's using Claw in order to get what he wants. Right. But I think that he would have like not just for his plan, I think he probably does want a little bit of revenge for having more black people killed. Even though he's not necessarily pro Wakandan, yeah. he is pro black, and I'm sure he would have been like, "You murdered a bunch of black folk. You you can go away too once I'm done with your ass." Right. Well, I, I think that's part of what's interesting about his character is that he is happy to sit back, or maybe not happy to sit back, but he's been with Claw for some amount of time, and Claw does not know who this guy really is. He has right. been holding Crazy. himself inside. For a long time, knowing that at this moment, I'm going to kill this dude. Which is crazy that Claude doesn't know that. He can get anything else. He's in all of these underground circles. And the one thing he could never figure out, not only was dude not just an American and former military, that he was also Wakanda, but that, because that was kept hidden because of the legacy of how he was born. Right. Uh, Winston, Ross is waking up in the lab. <laughs> he's like, "What the hell am I at Disneyland?" And he walks around, and then he sees Shuri. Shuri goes, "Oh, don't scare me like that, colonizer." <laughs> I think I hollered. I think I Bro. hollered as loud as anybody else in that Disney theater. Bro, we watched that because I was like, "What?" <laughs> and of course, Shuri knows all about him. She gives his whole bio, and you know, Ross is us. Ross is waking up to the world of Wakanda and seeing that the world is totally not what you thought it was. This is Ross's, I just woke up and I realized I was in the Matrix moment. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> Ross is like, this is, this is, wait, this, 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 this? It's Wakanda. <laughs> this Wakanda, what? Because <laughs> Wakanda is like outer space, you yeah. know, compared to anything else we've seen in the Marvel Universe. This is yeah. insane. Including we get this little key piece of exposition about these uh, maglev trains that have to have these supersonic emitters because vibranium's unstable. Obviously, something that's going to come up later. And then we see a hologram of Eric Killmonger. An outsider. No, a Wakandan. He's not a Wakandan. He's one of ours. And then we head off to this cliff, which is locations in South Africa, and Nakia and T'Challa. 
he killed his own brother and left a child behind with nothing. What kind of king, what kind of man does that? Nakia's trying to talk to him and tell him, look, not everyone is perfect. Your father wasn't perfect. You're not going to be perfect. It's that coming of age conversation you have with yourself when you realize your dad isn't as, you know, as perfect as you thought. So it's just that kind of thing. And, you know, she's a great counsel for him um, uh, in that moment. And it's very, uh, and it's the beginning of the process of this idea this, that, that Kugler's presented from the beginning, this idea of uh, Wakanda must move past its borders to help people around the world, black people around the world, uh, in a responsible way. She is now putting a good face to it when she's talking to him about it again on that cliff. Um, and we can't even really resolve any of this because in the middle we have the hologram and and he gets called back to the lab. And then we hear the rundown on who uh, Eric Stevens is because that's his uh, name that he is Oakland name, I guess. Eric Stevens. Graduated Annapolis, age 19, MIT for grad school. Joined the SEALs and went straight to Afghanistan, where he wrapped up confirmed kills like it was a video game. Started calling him Killmonger. He joined a JSOC ghost unit. Now, these guys are serious. They will drop off the grid so they can commit assassinations and take down governments. And here's what Ryan Coogler said about the name Killmonger. He says, Killmonger has many names just as any African-American has many names. Ooh. And I, I thought that was really interesting you know, that he what he was talking about was original names and then a slave name and that and then labels on African-Americans of colored or black or Afro-American, hmm. these different names. And I was thinking about Malcolm Little, who became Malcolm X, who became El-Haj Malik, El-Shabazz, mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, that all of this is about identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent, man. And, I, you know, it's funny because I didn't even I didn't even think to go that deep with it, which would have been. Probably more poignant. I, when I when I heard that initial quote, I was just thinking it was like, "Oh, bless you." Um, I was just thinking in terms of like, you know, how to some people I'm, you know, I'm Winston, and the other people I'm Alex, and other people I'm Amar, and it, and it, and the idea of code switching, mm. and the idea mm -hmm. of like everybody doesn't always show a hundred percent of themselves. No matter what race you are, nobody shows a hundred percent of themselves to any one particular person or group of people. But black people in particular, or minorities in particular, you have to do something called code switching. Where essentially, you know, I, I could chop it up with Jay, be like, yeah, motherfucker, what's good, man? You know, we're doing all the whatever, whatever. But then if we're working at Apple and someone walks in and go, hi, sir, how are you doing? Yes, what can I get you today? Like, it's that immediate right. switch of depending on what environment you're in, you present a particular side of yourself. And black people in America in particular, you have to do that all the time. Because the one minute you're kicking it with your crew, the next, if some cops show up, if you're if you're using that same energy, I mean, you've seen what happens yeah. in this country. Mm -hmm. You know, you're perceived as an immediate threat. So, yeah. But, but based on that point, I, I hadn't thought about it. What I find so interesting as we move into the next scene, which is this council meeting where Killmonger shows up, he doesn't code switch. That's what's so interesting about his character nope. is the way he speaks. Mm -hmm. He he consciously chooses to speak the way he speaks and challenge conventions and norms. Yeah, from the beginning, even when he's talking to the count the uh, curator of that museum he is purposefully putting it in her face this idea of taking these things from one culture and displaying them in another country uh and all of that so he is the truth teller throughout the movie um regardless of his tactics he is the truth teller and what michael b jordan does in this scene is amazing i'm standing in your house serving justice to a man who stole your vibranium and murdered your people 
justice your king couldn't deliver. And then you have T'Challa's cause he know because again, after hearing from Missouri, right? He walks up to him and says the most part, the thing no one else hears but Eric in the audience. Only reason I don't kill you where you stand is because I know who you are. Because again, no one knows. And that's why that line again, well, it's not that line. Eric says, ask me who I am. Mm, yeah. Go ahead. Ask me who I am. Because he knows once he asks him, he's going to give, because he, again, I know who you are. Ask me who I am. Because if, if he says, who are you? He responds in the Wakandan way, which eventually happens. Right, Jay, and that leads back to what we were talking about earlier, this idea of identity. Once Now yeah. he is asking someone to ask him who he is because ask he is what? authentically himself from the beginning to the end of the movie. <laughs> Y'all sitting up here comfortable. Must feel good. It's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us. But their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. You know, there's no question that he's playing to Wakabi in this scene when he says, you know, justice your king couldn't deliver. Well, who's that talking to? Who's that the biggest thing to is Wakabi. Yeah. Can you imagine how calm somebody got to be though, to be like, right. Ask me who I am. Yeah, man. Ask me. I have a feeling that he has never said his name in Wakandan until this moment. <sighs> Maybe That is my feeling. I believe he had to say it to Wakabi. Maybe. Oh, okay. Because Wakabi would have killed him. Yeah, maybe. Think about it. He's, if he doesn't identify himself as Wakandan, he is an intruder no matter what. Well, doesn't he pull his lip down to show the thing to Wakabi? He shows it to Claw. He doesn't show it to Wakabi, I don't think. Oh, does he? I thought he did. My I bad. thought he did, okay. too. Okay. He I might. He, okay, he I might. I thought he did. I thought he did. Okay, he might. I don't. Again, I might be wrong. He might. But he probably said but, it to Njobu, because I'm sure Njobu taught him how to say his name in Wakanda. Oh, of course he did. And that's the last person he probably said it to in Wakanda. You might be right there, Steve. And then he shouts out his name. Ndingu Ndadaka! Unyanaka Njobu! And then <laughs> the way he addresses Angela Bassett is just... Hey, auntie. Hey, auntie. <laughs> hey, that's the black. Let me tell you something. Me and Winston will tell y'all this right now. That's the blackest <laughs> shit ever. Did he? Did he say it to Angela Bassett though, or was he just talking? Because I thought it was the. No, he was talking to Angela Bassett. Yeah, he was. I thought he was talking to the last councilwoman. No, because technically Angela Bassett is his. I understand that, but you also know the African tradition, let alone the yeah, black I get that. tradition of. I, get that, I, I literally thought it was to the last black woman that spoke to him would have would have also been an auntie. Sure, that's what sure. I thought. Oh, that that, interesting. No, I didn't I think that, that was. I didn't think he was specific. No, it was the way Angela Bassett came. Came at him. What's the charlatan out of here? Blah blah blah. And then it's hey auntie because it's that I got. Uh, it works either way. I just saw it because there was a, there was another woman on the council that yeah. spoke right before he did. Right. I thought that that's who he was referring to, but it, it could very easily be Angela Bassett. I don't know yeah, the, the old lady. Yeah. Well, and not only is he revealing his identity, he's revealing that he found his father, the brother of T'Chaka, with panther claws in his chest. Mm. Yep. He's revealing the murder too. I'm exercising my blood right. The challenge for the mantles of King and Black Panther. And they're like, oh, well, you know, to have a challenge, we'd have to have weeks to prepare. We got these dance numbers to set up. Everyone's got to get their outfits on. <laughs> it's like, nah, you man. Know? <laughs> also, you missed it, bro. It was like three weeks ago. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we had to do a late Hey, Winston. Huh. Hey, we had a barbecue and everything, dog. We didn't get to cook out. Bro, like, let, we, not we, been a, we, don't, we don't clean the grill and put it away. We didn't clean the, the grill. Like, the ribs are gone, Ain't no more bro. plastic cups, dog. What did you did try you to even, get us? Did you even bring Tupperware? You didn't even bring no Tupperware. I don't understand why you coming here making demands. <laughs> we 
Oh, oh hell no, Karen. 90 gallons of ice. <laughs> oh, hell no, Karen. Take that dev, your nasty <laughs> salad somewhere else. Who's going to go get 90,000 gallons of ice? Don't nobody want to get the ice. <laughs> you didn't even bring nothing. You brought, I brought a claw. Nah, son, that, that's not enough. Like <laughs> I brought a white claw, technically. No, no we don't. Uh, uh, boom. You got there, Jay. You got there. Well, boom. That, was, well that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> See, that's, that's what you call comedic brainstorming. <laughs> yes, and that shit. <laughs> um, uh, and and uh, I wisely didn't make a joke that popped in my brain. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but T'Challa says none of that. T'Challa says, I accept your challenge. Would everybody look at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, why would you do that? Because <laughs> it's like, you just got the throne, dude. What do you, we get it. You, you want to be a king and you want to be honorable. Hey, fam, you might want to sit out of it. Them shoes you had on don't even say you should be challenging nobody yet. Like, calm yeah. down. Like, well, and, and I mean, we don't know what Wakandan rules are, but it seemed like at the coronation, as you said, that was the time to do the challenge. It's not like anybody can just challenge any time they want. Right. But right. but we're back at Warrior Falls. It's the same location. It's totally different. My guess is, to be honest with you, the only, like, I do think there is a sense of duty that T'Challa has that he feels like he has to do, but I think that he actually accepts this challenge because he does want to kill Killmonger, and the only way he can legally think that he could do it is if he beats him in ritual combat. Right. See, and I, mean, I think I, I think yeah. it's it's because he feels guilty for the actions of his father. I, I mean, I, I I agree with you uh, in that regard, but di- but didn't we just hear him say, if I, you know, I know who you are, that's why yeah, I killed you. Right. Yeah, you're right. I think that he realizes the only legitimate way, I'm not going to be my dad and just murder you because I can't, like, like just because. Right. Instead... I will take you to ritual combat. I'm going to put you down, and then we're going to move past this. I think that there's a mix of guilt and beat M'Baku. If I beat M'Baku, I can beat you. Mm -hmm. I think I definitely, yeah. I think this is a a mix of, like, making up for past mistakes and and duty at the same time. So we're at Warrior Falls. T'Challa drinks the stuff that strips away the power of the panther. And I'm going to say a geeky thing real quick, (laughs) which is just... It seems to me, if you've been living your life with superpowers and now they were just taken away five seconds ago, it'll be really hard to fight. You know, that seems like, because I'm used to being able to run up that wall, you know? <laughs> I'm used to this other stuff. But again, he loses them against Mbaku. Yep. Yeah. So that's when you, think about it, you, you, you had your power stripped away to beat arguably one of the most powerful warriors throughout all of the kingdom, right? The, the great gorilla in Mbaku. Right. And so, yo, your swag and confidence is on high, bro. Yeah, it's <laughs> fair. But, that, fair. but, the, but, but still, I, I, I hear what Steve is saying. Give, give the man thirty minutes to like readjust to my, my arm only moves this fast now. Yeah. Like, I can't quite smell your, your hook coming from the side. Like, let me get a practice sparring real quick. Yeah. Hobby's traitorous ass. Like, <laughs> like, and I had to go through all this other ritual shit earlier, man. Like, you had to go through none of this. Can I get? 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> I, 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 you know, when you haven't played bad in a while, and you're like, yo, let me let me just run a couple plays real quick. <laughs> yeah, <it's funny laughs> put it on auto. Put the computer on real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, you, know, you get to play. I don't remember how it works. <laughs> I, I, I also think of the moment of James, uh, Zuri, and Eric. You know, uh, yeah. like, here's this kid that grew up with this man, and here's the, they've seen each other again. Like, that's it's a lot of stuff in there. 
And you see Forrest Whitaker's face like, shit. Yeah. Dead. He had that face like, I thought Shorty was dead. God damn. Like, because <laughs> that's and, the past coming back to haunt you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Remember, yeah. when he leaves with T'Chaka, as of whatever happens to Eric, young Eric at the time is whatever happens. No one cares. No one checks. So as far as they're concerned, young Eric is dead. Because, like, even as wild as this sounds, and I understand he went back to Wakanda and he was there, if he'd even found a way to try and reach out to him over the years and be like, yo, you good, fam? Maybe Eric would have been okay. Yep. This vengeful child. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- there's, there's, but, oh. Well, and Zuri, who is Zuri? Zuri is the priest. Right. You know, like, so he, ostensibly, he's a truly good man who must carry this tremendous guilt yeah. and sin along with him, too. And then Eric Killmonger makes a speech. I lived my entire life waiting for this moment. I trained, I lied, I killed just to get here. I killed in America, Afghanistan, Iraq. I took life from my own brothers and sisters right here on this continent. And all this death, just so I could kill you. And that's when we see all of the scarring, which is ritualistic, crocodile scarring for every kill in a mark in life, you make sense. If it's something you make, you know, that happens in your life, you make a mark and bruh, body. Uh, uh, Look, look, look. Go, go ahead, Jay. Finish because I got it. We gotta... only saw the arm that he showed Claw. Remember, he only shows Claw his arm, and right. Claw's just like, "Well, you can scar yourself up as much as you want." We didn't know when this mock took off his jacket. He looked like he had key, he had keloids everywhere. Like this, <laughs> bro. When I tell you that it was so disturbing, the amount of of women and gay men that I know that when he took that and said, oh, Lord, I, can I be a scar? Like, <laughs> like I just, I was like, oh, listen, God. Listen, there was a God. level of whoosh. You just heard a level of whoosh. <laughs> you, you, no, you, literally heard, you literally heard Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion watch it the first time. I got to write I gotta write a song. I got I to gotta write there's a song a, about this. There's a wet something. It's a wet, wet ass. This is perfect. <laughs> this is going to top the charts. I, I think Listen. that he is in top three male bodies in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It's him, Listen. Captain America, and Thor. Like, yeah. Not just... Not just gay men. Let's be real. There were some straight men who were like, I no, we're like, I gotta. <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna lie. You look at Michael B. Jordan. You like, God damn, many more push-ups. I got. I'm like, I'm sitting there sending direct messages. You put down that pretzel like, bits at the AMC. You put that pretzel bits right on down when you see Bro, my body. It, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a reason why. There's a reason why both me and my girlfriend have a list. But knowing that Michael B. Jordan also is very much into white women. That if I go to, if I have associated with any project, she's not allowed at the red carpet. It's just not, <laughs> just not happening. Which, like, uh, <laughs> hey, Winston, we're, we're so happy to see you, Winston. We want to know where's your girlfriend, Kristen? That bitch has to stay at home. Yeah. Why is that? Michael B. Jordan is here. 
Yeah. What do you? <laughs> My lady has that for Idris Elba. I, I won't let her near him if he ever comes around. <laughs> well, because we made the agreement. If it happens, it happened. Like it's on the list. But I'm yeah. gonna do everything in my power that that list never comes to fruition. <laughs> the, the, those those lists are charming and funny when you're people that don't actually work in this industry. <laughs> yes. Yep. Listen. Yep. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let's be cool when you like, man. What do you do? I work at Burger King. I work for yeah. Apple. Yeah, right. Then you work. What do you do? I'm an actor. What's on the list? Idris Elba. What type of actor are you? A black actor? Fuck. <laughs> like, bro, bro. The minute the minute I showed her the interview of me of me interviewing uh uh chad and and Bethany <laughs> at fucking civil war that the, the thing clicked of like are you gonna are you gonna get to do the interview for black panther no no i'm not doing no interviews <laughs> i ain't doing no goddamn interviews yeah because <laughs> what is your kind of talking around and the other is you're working an angle yeah. 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 Um, by the way, <laughs> by, by the way, those that's 90 individual silicone mo- molds to make the scarification, two and a half hours to put it on, and then two hours sitting in a hot sauna to get them off. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Let the challenge begin. They fight. Very different fight from the one with Mbaku and very scary. The moment at the beginning, this is interesting. The Kugler says, cause I didn't feel this way is that when he says that when T'Challa cuts his cheek with the spear, that at that moment he could have killed Eric, but chose not to. That's not what I see in the fight scene at all, but that's what Ryan Kugler says. Yeah. Well, that was showing. If you look at the way T'Challa fights, when he does the cut, it's yield. It's like, I, I have the advantage over you. I can keep doing it. So remember, every time he does something, he keeps telling Eric, yield, yield. Like, I don't want to have to kill you. Yeah. And then Killmonger's is like, okay, you're going to keep playing this game? All right, fam. All right. And he just takes him apart. <laughs> cut across the arm, cut across the belly, yeah. cut across the leg, and then stabbed in the belly. And this is where everyone starts to realize, oh, no. <laughs> It is another symbolism of what of what Killmonger is capable of and what he was trained to do. He systemically picks you apart, yep. He, yep. step by step, and he he found each individual weakness that would destabilize him more and more and more, and then gives him the gut shot, and that's pretty much all she wrote, man. Yeah. And then he says, "This is for my father." And in comes Zuri with the spear yeah. to block it, breaking all the rituals. Obviously, I am the cause of your father's death. Not him. Take me. And there's a pause. And then he says, I'll take you both, Uncle James. Saying Uncle James in that moment. Because mm. mm. then you see chat. You got T'Challa on the ground, bleeding out the gut. Yeah. Can't move. It's been immobilized. Well, it's such a parallel to the M'Baku fight, because in the M'Baku fight, he was going to lose. And they say, show him who you are. And he digs deep and finds the way to fight back. And now he digs deep and there isn't anything there. Is this your king? Huh? Is this your king? Shuri is crying out to him. And he pushes him off the falls. So 
that scene, that very moment when he picks him up to throw him over the waterfalls mm. is actually in the comic books. It's an actually mm. an iconic moment from the comics. Oh, wow. That's why you have that exact shot the exact way it is with the almost overhead shot, the crane shot over it. It's exactly from the comic books. I always have been thinking throughout this whole podcast about, because I think about way too much, <laughs> but, 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 but I've been thinking this whole time of like, should I refer to him as Eric, as Eric Killmonger, as Killmonger, as Eric Stevens? What name should I refer to at this moment that he says, now I am your king. I think he is Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Oh, he absolutely is. And they put that necklace on him as the women escape. And Okoye s- stays there. And then they salute. What you just said, Steve, proves my point. No one can call you a name until you fully commit to that name, right? They labeled him Killmonger. Remember, that's what he says. They called him Killmonger. That's mm-hmm. how he earned that nickname. But he isn't fully Killmonger till he stands in that moment after he's supposedly killed T'Challa. It's the same thing, you know. I, I feel like I, I've, I've said this over and over again controversially about Darth Vader. I think Darth Vader's not Darth Vader till Amidala dies and he puts on that fucking costume. Until then, no matter what Palpatine tells him, he ain't fucking Darth Vader. It's when he loses that last human connection to love, Amidala, and embraces being this. Uh, servant to the to Palpatine with the helmet and the whole cloak on. No, yeah, and that terrible no moment. <laughs> that's, that's when he becomes Darth Vader. It is not when he kills the pat the young the younglings or whatever. It's when he fully embraces it. Right. Oh, dude, once he killed the, the younglings, bro, he kind of lost Padme at that he, point. He's no, because she's still at the end screaming at him to come back to her. So you know, no, you're you're right. These names, these right. titles are important. I one hundred percent agree, Outlaw. Okay. <laughs> nice shot nice shot i appreciate it <laughs> hey everyone those of you who listened to this week's preview know that we recorded this episode yesterday morning and that i wasn't sure if i could get it edited on time what i didn't mention is that our recording was well over two hours long about four o'clock this afternoon i decided the only way i could make it was to split back panther into not two parts but three Now, I wasn't exactly sure where I would make the cut, but right now, it's 11.30 p.m. on Thursday, October 1st, and something just happened in the world that made the decision for me. If you're listening to this episode 20 years from now, you can consult your history books to figure out exactly what I'm referring to. So as Killmonger assumes the role of Black Panther and King of Wakanda, that's it for our epic exploration of Black Panther with special guests, Jay Washington, and Winston A. Marshall. And don't forget, we're raising money for the National Children's Cancer Society in honor of Chadwick Boseman. At this moment, we've already raised over $1,100, but we're still a long way from $3,000 when that matching grant kicks in. Just go to theNCCS.org slash Black Panther to donate. That's T-H-E-N-C-C-S dot Black Panther to donate. And tune in next week for the conclusion of Black Panther on the Cinephiles.